Hello and welcome to the Underwater Sunshine Podcast, episode fifty. I don't know which. Maybe <laughs> double nickel, six or seven. So, I'm not sure. It, no, I can't remember now. Yeah. Maybe this is fifty-five. Well, we we have two in the can. See, we're trying to this record is six. This is fifty-six. Okay, fifty-six. I think Joe DiMaggio. And oh yeah, uh, Lawrence Taylor. This my that's I'm Lawrence all Taylor is number fifty-six. Yeah. Elvis Presley's first record. <laughs> Elvis Presley, number f- number fifty six in your programs, number one Ladies in your heart. Presley, Elvis Presley. Now, Gita. we're not going to talk about any of those things today. Gita. But what we we're going to do is talk about the fabulous, wonderful underwater sunshine festival that's coming up. Yes, and we are going to be previewing some more of the bands this week that are going to be playing. Uh, I'm really excited about this one because the first band we're starting out is a band I absolutely love. Uh, Kylie Lotz is a woman from, I think, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre area, somewhere in Pennsylvania. She's very cool, and she's a great writer. Uh, I've been really digging her music, and I've been digging her Instagram, just following her around uh, around Europe recently. She's been touring all over Europe and having like just really... like. We've been like messaging back and forth, but it's it it's really reminding me of like our first tours in Europe. Just her time over there, you know. As as some of these bands that we work with for the Underwater Sunshine Festival are are going out and touring, I had the same experience last year with uh, Michaela Davis being all around mm-hmm. Europe and you know following her adventures on her early tours. You know, the first trip over there and how do you deal with a uh, i guess maybe it wasn't her first trip over there but you know i was asked curious about how she dealt with getting a harp over in europe but <laughs> i've just been following kylie through these gigs and uh it just looks like so much fun you know having your your first trip around there uh i i want i want you to check out these songs because like she really knocks me out and she's uh a young woman who i think in some earlier records uh her the first record comfort the ep that came out was really dealing with some depression from what i've read about it and some going through a difficult time in her life and then she she came out as being queer and made this record magic gone a couple years ago that i think is so good and just so inspired uh you know someone having dealt with some difficult stuff in their life and you know coming out of it where they are right now and trying to sort of express that in these songs and she has this way of completely rocking or being very very fragile uh it reminds me of like she sounds at times to me like amy mann fronting a punk band Mm -hmm. and it really knocks me out i want to start with this first song which is called better than you it's the opening song on on magic gone i just love this song and i love this record uh dig this this is pedal Blowing out your doors. This is better than you.
Yeah, that's that's a great rock and roll song. A few things I like. To say. First of all, I I really do love pedal. Um, Adam introduced me to her when um, when we were you know talking about who was going to be doing the festival and what we we're going to play on the podcast. And there's a song uh, of hers that I that actually just floored me, and and I think we'll be playing that uh, in this podcast. But that song is so great for many reasons. It, it it's rocking along, <laughs> and it's so true. It's like Amy Mann fronting a punk band, but. Um, I and much like Amy Mann, I love her very subtle harmony with herself throughout the whole thing. It's very Beatlesque, you know. She does the lower part, and then she's singing the the the, the bass, you know, the regular uh, you know root up there, and then the se- the harmony part is lower, and it just drives the whole, especially the second half of the song. I, I really that's a great song. It's well structured. It's fun to to dance around to and sing, but there's a lot of stuff going on in there. It's very well structured. Yeah, and I I really love some of the lyrics in it, you know, about talking about like being a you know, a musician expressing yourself but also having to go on, you know, you not only are you like opening yourself to people, but you're doing it in front of everybody on a stage with lights off and, and you know, you know, you stay out so late just to build connection. They say, "Hey man, you're great, but they don't even have the slightest affection that you're really not doing okay. Maybe tonight you could barely even play." You know, that like they, they, you know, you're you're so emotional, but they don't see that maybe it was in, almost impossible to play. And sometimes it's true. Like, I've had some of the best shows in my life when I was having the worst time, like when it was so painful to get through it. But somehow that there's all that exposure is is uh, I don't want to say it's something as callous as entertaining to people, but that is what it is. You know, sometimes when you're just like fighting through stuff, that is very revealing and powerful for an audience you know the show it must go on and if they don't even come you know the colors and the callus turn you into a strange and silent one you know like and there are questions about what it means to be her in the chorus maybe if you were harsh maybe if you weren't you people would seem to care about what it is you even do maybe if you tried harder to seem like you didn't love it but you do right, right. you do love it like you know maybe you'll play you, for no one if you'll- you were played it cooler it wouldn't hurt so much but it does and it does and the truth is that it means everything there's no being cool up there it, it, it is everything to you when you're a musician you know maybe if you tried harder to seem like you didn't love it but you do but they're better than you you yeah. know like they're like you know like she's just not seeming and this comes up a lot in the next song too in the one we're going to play which is the one that you brought up that you love so much mm-hmm. you know that your own value as a person that like that sometimes i think questions about sexuality cause people to doubt their own value as a person and a human being and as and for a songwriter that really comes out you know it should and it and it does with her and and i'm glad you read those lyrics because i didn't know them i couldn't pick them out specifically but having performed in bands for practically no one but going out and giving it your all you you, it becomes an insular experience you the 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 lights are in your face anyway so a lot of times even if there's 50 or 100 people in there thousand you can't really see past a few rows you you have to you have to give your all, and I know we've we've quoted this quite a bit. Whether it's well, I made the joke about Joe DiMaggio, but he had the saying like, you know, I give it my all every day because there might be some kid from Spokane who's never seen me or the Yankees, and they should see the best right now. This is one of 162 for me. I might have a bad ankle. It's a Saturday afternoon in August, but I got to give my all. And I think the best performers do that, regardless of how bad things are going. They they insulate it. They get into their moment. I call it getting into a frenzy, and then performing that out, no matter what happens. And there's a great story Robbie Robertson tells. Uh, I forget. I don't. It might have been in, in the last waltz where he says their first gig 
was in this horrible place where there's like three people in there, like a one-armed hooker and some drunk guy, and, other, and a fight bro- broke out. And he goes, there wasn't enough people in the place to get angry. <laughs> but that's their first you know, memory of playing, and yet they get, he said that's one of the best shows they ever played, the band. So you know, it's, it's, to be able to express that in a song, a lot of people don't really write about the art of performing, but it is a big part of what performers obviously do. You know, it's also it's that sometimes you just like, regardless of what's going on in the audience, this is very important stuff to you. You know, the audience is often more of a distraction than a an addition. You know, in, in a uh, in a gig. You know, you know, and it happens to everybody. I can remember just like a little while ago playing a gig. You know, like a corporate gig, and you know, it, it's a bunch of people talking, and they're not that into it. You know, like, and it can be really distracting. You know, and just it happens to any band, no matter who you are. And sometimes you just got to close your eyes and play. Hmm. And uh, so true. You know, it's not a big deal. It's like sometimes it's not their responsibility to be into it, and sometimes they're not going to be. Like you know, it's sometimes it's just a bad setting, and the setting lends itself to talking more than listening. And so you just close your eyes, you know, and you play. You're up on stage with a few people. Just play, you know. I've, I've even in our career, I've had those days where it's just, it's weird to be so vulnerable in front of people who don't care. It's almost better to have people who do care, you know, like, uh, uh, <laughs> I would say, yeah. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the next song we're going to play because yes. it, it also blew my mind. It's the, it was the title of her EP a few out, a few years before, and then she redid it for Magic Gone. Um, and it's an incredible song. Yeah, there's some lyrics in here that really. Oh, I should tell them. It's a song me. called "Comfort." It's a, the song is called "Comfort." Is same uh, as the self. It's the self-titled uh, or the the title of the the EP, right? It's an EP, I think. Of, of uh, well, it was yeah, it was a three-song EP that she did a few years before, and then it, it also appears on Magic Gone. And it shows, uh, first of all, on a musical level, it shows her diversity because. Um, I said to Adam when he started playing the, the previous song, you know, of course, I listened to four or five of the songs that were in that vein, but the one that really struck me was the ballad, and not so much because it was a ballad. There's something very raw. Uh, you had described this in an earlier podcast of um, a singer who felt with each verse, each line, that she was falling apart. There's like the vocals just kind of are barely keeping it together. And that's what I hear when I hear this. It's so beautifully phrased, but there's a vulnerability. There's a, there's a pain here that is very relatable. I immediately got that. And then I went to the lyrics, and, I, and it's just... It's very strong. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Expression, yeah. So I guess we should play it. Well, I want to talk, just talk about it a little more because... Yes, please. Uh, the chorus, especially in this song, I mean, I guess it's the chorus, it's repeated, but, you know, you talk about, there's a, there's a stresses in the life of someone uh, who's queer but not out of the closet yet that don't exist for the rest of us. You know, there's, there's a whole other set of stress. It's hard enough to tell someone you care about them or, and, or to care about anyone and to find a relationship that works in life when you're not trying to hide it from the whole world. But on top of that, for a lot of people uh, dealing with uh, their sexuality in different ways, they're also trying to hide it from everyone. And that puts a whole other level of stresses on everything, not just stresses on you with the world, but stresses on you and your relationship. And in this verse, there's... The chorus, she's saying, and you could barely drive when I said, I don't fucking care anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't see the point of lying for what I am only tearing apart. You know, like, what? what's the point of lying for this when this thing 
we're lying about we're screwing it up anyways because possibly possibly because we're lying about it you know you spend so much time hiding what you're doing it puts so much undue pressure on the thing that you're doing and doing it is hard enough anyways relationships with no stresses and no problems from the outside world are murder to make work mm-hmm. you know love is so hard right but imagine when you also are trying to hide it from everyone because there's some sort of shame associated with it you know even though you don't feel it but everyone's telling you you're less of a person you're wrong and it goes on to say, you know, I don't see the point of lying for what I am only tearing apart. And you could barely speak I when I saw this. your reflection in the windshield. Fall on a space I know too well that I am not your comfort anymore. I, I, that's the I cool mean, part. It's, it's, the, it's the conceit of comfort, right? So she's singing about, you know, you, the, you're, you're going into the song thinking it's a song about comfort. It's entitled Comfort. But she's not that way anymore. I can't, I can't solve, S-A-L-V, your pain anymore because I'm feeling it. And I don't know exactly who she's talking to here. Did you get that? Like, I assumed it was it a the lover. lover and they're in a, it, it takes place in a car with two people sitting next to each other, but not necessarily looking at each other, seeing their reflections in the windshield, uh, occasionally looking over, as she says at the beginning of the song, uh, I see the way you look when you think I'm not looking forward. You know, when, when, when you think... When that's the double meaning in that, are you looking forward to what's going on in the relationship? Are you looking forward in a positive way? Or are you simply looking forward? Like, is it a face she puts on when she thinks that Kylie's looking at her? When she's turned sideways or look, when she thinks Kylie's looking at her, she put on a different face. There's so much meaning in that. And it's the first line of the song. And yes. it's, uh, yeah. I, I just think it's a brilliant song about like an experience that a lot of us don't go through. You know, that's a very, it's a unique experience to people living through this sort of situation. Uh, However, though, I have had breakups in cars. I've had situations where things were going badly and you're in the car and you have to make that con- have that conversation. And I and when she said that's why that the windshield line really struck me uh, is that I've had that where you're you're looking for a reaction in the reflection of the person, because if you turn to them they're having a moment where they're trying to explain something and you feel like it'll break that moment or you'll break down or you won't be able... You know what I mean? There's this weird kind of connection by seeing the reflection. It's so beautifully... So even though it's about something unique to her experience, uh, uh, it's very relatable to me. Two people going through something really intense sitting in the front seat of the car. That's happened to me several times. And there's one way she looks when she thinks she's not looking at her another way she looks when she is you could barely speak when i saw your reflection in the windshield fall on a space i know too well like her face fall when yep. she's not looking that i am not your comfort anymore it's I beautiful mean, it's a beautiful song and uh, i really think she is a a brilliant young writer and like but I, I love her vocal. I love her guitar playing. I love there, there's so many and the, there's a lot of piano playing on in the other EP and uh, in some of the live stuff. She does some of these songs on piano too, and it's just I, I love I love I just I love everything about this band. I cannot wait to see them play. Yes. Um, so let's just check this out. This is uh, from 2018's Magic Gone album. This is Pedal playing Comfort. Oh 
That was a fucking great song. I just, I, I can't say enough about it. I mean, I know we just wax poetic about it. There's a point in there where she's just playing, uh, I don't know what the hell she's playing, but it reminds me of um, The Cross by Prince from uh, from Sign of the Times. This really, really somber, but uh, just a way you could play two chords like that and just kick butt is just a real talent, no matter who you are, Prince or, in this case, uh you know, pedal. But I, I, to me, those are the kind of songs that make doing this podcast so much, so rewarding and so much fun. And also the, the, the to think, you know, we, we're we're spending like a month here playing artists that that are new artists and that some of them we really love, some of them we're getting introduced to, but they're coming here and they're going to play, and you could come to see them. It's that's a big all in the same place. That's you know, bravo all you guys who work so hard on this. Festival. Yeah, I mean, she's got this sob in her voice geez, in, in yes. a way of like it, it, that's what reminds good. me of like Amy Mann that sort of like the understated like gut-wrenching sorrow like that like at the end of Voices Carry where she's saying he said shut up I said oh, shut God, up I you know uh, and it, her solo stuff where she goes from that she goes into the falsetto so effortlessly yeah and it's just it, it breaks your heart sobbing is very good that's an excellent uh description yes it's this kind of it's just this guttural sob in her voice at times that like just knocks me out i i, I think she's so good i i want to play i i'm obsessed with this band right now so i, I you know i just want to play some songs <laughs> there's this one uh it's it's another uh it's called tightrope is the second song on the record and it, it, it has this like talking about like the way relationships work and the metaphor she's using i saw a strange light in the sky a fireball burning brightly i wish the truck on the overpass would tumble down upon me the truth is just a piece of coal dressed as gold the truth is just a piece of coal dressed as gold that lyric to me is so good like that you're you're you're, you know like sometimes it's like you look up and you see like a shooting star and it's a, a sign of hope and like I saw a straight, but she's not saying it that way. I saw a strange light in the sky, a fireball burning brightly. I wish the truck on the overpass would tumble down upon me. You know, the truth is just a piece of coal dressed as gold. I love that line too, that like truth is like, it seems like this real gem, but sometimes the truth that comes to you is this unformed, painful thing. Yeah, truth hurts sometimes. You know, and uh, there's a line later in the song where she says, uh, I felt an ancient scream come out of my mouth. Like there's such... Like a sorrow that has been building up with you forever, a frustration and anger that's been coming since you were a child and that doesn't ever get voiced. This is the thing about uh, people who our society says are supposed to be ashamed of something, the things we're supposed to hide, their sorrows, their, their anger, they're often voiceless because we don't listen to them as a society at times, you know, uh, you know, and that—that's kind of what she's speaking. To, even though, in, in a way, it's absolutely accepted as a society now to be gay. You mm-hmm. know, but that's the macro. 
Not on the micro. Not if you're a a 16-year-old girl who's just coming to a a decision and a realization inside her. You know, that that it's not necessarily okay in a small town where you're just a person alone. It's okay to talk about it, you know, in the public in a way, but not not for a young girl on her own. You know, that that, that there's a voicelessness to people in that situation. Right. And then when you're young, there's no threat. They try to make things easier when you're young. They have dances and they have this and proms. But nobody sets anything like that up if you are different. You know, where, you know, it's, it's, it's presumed that the guy has the girl. Or the, you know what I mean? And it's, if you're, it, that's a good point. And also the other point that you just reminded me of is in the grand scheme of things, for years, interracial marriage was illegal, but then it also frowned upon into religious marriage. All these different things. Um, and now that's, of course, accepted as it should be. But it still doesn't mean that it's not difficult when you marry someone who's not the same faith as you. In some cases, the same politics as you. In many cases, the same background or race or economic background that you have. There's, as you mentioned, there's so many things that could, be, that could tear a relationship apart. But adding on to that, how you even express love for someone if it's not accepted in your own society. And that's the thing. The strange thing is that all the differences we're talking about are outside forces. Because the truth is the feelings are all the same. Right. The feelings, what it means to care about someone else, to love someone else, to yearn for someone else, to have a crush on someone else, to miss someone else. The feelings are all the same. It's just that we judge it from the outside and it renders these people voiceless. So like a line like that, I felt an ancient scream come out of my mouth. A frustration that's been waiting for years to be expressed. Uh, the last verse uh, really knocked me out too. Uh, uh, it's just a series of, and the arc of our covenant was a rise and fall, a tailspin on my end we never saw coming. The scar on my lip I got when I was a kid transferred to you, transferred to you, transferred to you. The truth is just a piece of coal dressed as gold. I love that line. The scar on my lip I got when I was a kid transferred to you. That like the physical damage that we do to ourselves throughout our life could be transferred emotionally through a kiss. You know, like on the you know, through a kiss. You know that yes. like that like all the damage that the the, the, the physical, the emotional, the, all the different damages can be given one to another. Like mm-hmm. I loved the, the metaphor of that there, the, the, the image of the physical and the emotional scars being the same in a way. And you know, that you could actually see some of them and not see others. And, and of course that, that could also spark love because we see other people going through the same things we're going through and the empathy and sympathy that goes along with that, the relatable aspect of falling in love. They're going through the same thing you are, and you see it, and you want to make that pain go away. That, that's, you know, one line like that can spark a conversation like that because it evokes so many different ideas of what that could mean. Uh, just the idea of using a scar as a writer you use that meaning that's not going away and that's been there a long time. And she even uh, underlines it by saying that you got when you were a kid. Yeah. And that primal scream that comes way back to when you really finally become sentient. You know what the hell's going on in life and those terrible pains that you go through and then you carry through life and you you give them to the people that you love. You don't mean to do it, but you do. And um, that's fantastic stuff. For her to do all this stuff in three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And it, Songs. With this, talent. In this yes. chugging little, like, 
mid-tempo guitar rock piece. It's like it's not as up-tempo as Better Than You, and it's not as down-tempo as Comfort, but it's a it's in the middle and it rocks. It's just let's we'll play it for you. This is Tightrope, still from Magic On by Pedal. I saw a strange light in the
What did I? Keyboard there at the end? That's like an organ. Yeah. yeah. It's an organ. So it's pretty like cool. Hammond sounding thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, another great one. Yeah, that's probably my second favorite one next to Comfort. Um, yeah, and that one she really does channel the Amy Mann. But not only just in the in the in the inflections in her voice, like I said, the way she just effortlessly goes from uh, her regular timbre into a into a falsetto. But it's just the way it just chugs along there. But never gets. Uh, I don't want to use the word boring, but it never gets trite. You know, it's just kind of gung, 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 gung. She does so many wonderful things with the melody. It's just you're just dying to hear what's coming up next. She does great things with the guitar, too. She's playing yeah, a lot true. of different yeah. melodies. There are breaks between the lines where she's really got some cool guitar stuff. I, I kept dying for her to just explode out into a solo at one point about two-thirds <laughs> of the way through the song. I really wanted a guitar solo there. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, got a Neil Young thing. It just... Uh, I want to play one more song. All right. This is the last song on the record, and it's there's something so beautiful, and it's a song about, I think, about a rela- the life of a relationship as it goes on, and it starts with a line that I, I – I, one of the things I read about her said that she wrote it when she was a, like a, a kid, like in her teenagers in church. She wrote the first line. Uh which is the stardust in you is so evident. I wish I could kiss every speck of it. It's mm. the beginning of the song. And it goes through all these things talking about parts of the relationships. Now we've made our way through each other. Now we're left with no clothes. Making mistakes and getting guarded. I can't say I can't say I didn't love you. Love you. Now we're living in shitty apartment with mismatched dishes. Unlike our parents. Maybe we'd make good parents. Maybe not. I can't say I can't say I didn't love you. Uh, I love that line, you know, like, now we're living in shitty apartments with mismatched dishes, unlike our parents. It's so much about being young and in love. It's like you get your first place together and you, your dishes are, they're functional. You just need to eat off them. Yeah, You're not yeah. looking I had one to, bowl, one knife, and one fork. My wife didn't understand that. I'm like, because it forces me to wash it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose oh, that's good. Yeah, otherwise, it'd just be a pile of dishes. I know me. I had one bowl. Aaron's like, where's all the dishes here? <laughs> I'm like, this is it. I'm, all, I'm here alone. Who am I having over here? No, it's so true. Read that line again about going through. That bit about... And it, it repeats. That comes back throughout the song. I, oh, it's so good. Now we've made our way through each other. Now we're left with no clothes. Making mistakes and getting guarded. And you're both opening to each other and also closing to each other, you know. It's so good. She writes in the dichotomy of a relationship. When you open up a lot of times, you tend to become more guarded because you've given so much of yourself. One of the great uh, tragedies of love that's been written about from Shakespeare on is that once someone does open up, they are so afraid because they've opened up to that person to lose them because then all of their secrets tumble out and it's out there now. But they had them. You know, it's it's about love, but it's also about possession um, and identity, self-identity. So that's the great thing about these pedal songs is that they do speak greatly about relationships. Heterosexual, homosexual, regardless. Familial, they are about relationships that people go through. And uh, I just – without leaving – I can't say this without leaving this, this, this discussion. I might have mentioned in an earlier po- podcast, but our, our friend Sean Barna, who put that brilliant album out, Sissy, last year, which we played almost all of it, if not all of it, on this podcast, he wrote a guest column for me at the Aquarian last month talking about coming out. 
and what it meant and what it means to not come out and what it means to grow up like that. All the stuff you and I were talking about. So check it out. Please Google it. Um, you know, Sean Barna Aquarian uh, piece. Uh, I was so moved by that and so many people were moved by that because until you let people in and explain yourself, which he does so brilliantly in his songs, but when he put it in an essay form, people were like, holy crap. It's like they had this self-revelation about the things that they've hidden in their lives. And that's what these songs, I think, from this album particularly, really speak to me as. Yeah, and I, you know, this one in particular because uh, she explores different parts of her sound on different songs, like Better Than You just rocks from start to finish, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Comfort is so bare, and, you know, uh, Tightrope is really in the middle, that sort of chugging mid-tempo rock thing, like, uh, but Stardust starts very, very spare over this, like, piano arpeggio kind of, I can't really remember if it's a arpeggio or just a chord it starts very spare over piano and it builds very slowly and i think this whole album is about like having gone through all the stuff of hiding things in her life where do you come out relationships begin relationships end uh you hide them you 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 come out and speak to them you you live through love you live through loss uh you live through shame in the public eye and then defiance of it and that you come out, you know, maybe just having survived, sort of celebrating who you are. And I think at the end of this song, like it builds from this very spare beginning to this very powerful end where she's repeating that I can't say, I can't say, but not the I don't, not the love, I didn't love you part. I can't say it. Just I can't say, I can't say, ooh, I can't say. And uh, against a counterpoint of, of another vocal singing under streetlight you are forever mine under streetlight you are forever mine like a, and that is sort of like the chorus refrain out to the end and it's very powerful and at the end she finally says yeah i can't say i didn't love you under streetlight you are forever mine like <laughs> it's just it's a beautiful coming to grips with herself her life loves that have come and gone and looking forward and also with her music, because this song has a lot of depth and is, and is like, it has all the things the other songs have in one song, in a way. And yeah, it's and it very, closes out the record. It does. It's the last thing on the yeah, record. it's the epilogue. And th- that it begins with a lyric that she wrote the first two lines of when she was like a young teen. The stardust in you is so evident, I wish I could kiss every speck of it. And then a song she finished years later. Um, Maybe she was trying to figure out what the young girl was saying there or using her adult or experienced mind to extrapolate those thoughts. And all the things that have, she's gone through from being a young girl with a crush on someone she society says isn't supposed to have a crush on to being a woman and singing about it in public on stage under the street lights and the stage lights, mm. you know, uh, and you are forever mine because you're in a song now. This is going to be here forever. These things that you do are immortal. The things in your life that seem like that pass for other people are there forever for artists because they make things that immortalize them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's just play this one last song from Kylie Lotz, who on stage goes by the name Pedal. Uh, you can find her on uh, Instagram. at It's at Pedal PA. Uh, and she's magnificent. She so sure is. This is uh, Stardust, the last song on Magic Gone. Uh Pedal. The star does dance. 
wish I could kiss every speck of it. Round and solemn beginning, now that we are at the end. You're skeptical of sentiment. Yeah, it's just a brilliant way to end that record. Uh, I have a question for you, a musical one. I'm not sure I heard this or I made me hallucinating. I was really into that. I was like staring out the window listening to it. So is there a part in that song, and, I, and I'm thinking of as a subtext of what her mindset is. It sounds like the guitar and the piano are playing not the same thing, or it, it's, it gets into this dissonant sort of rhythm thing going. It was yeah, very disturbing that. to me. I, I didn't, it didn't, it, it, it's like somebody went off there. 
on purpose. Well, no, she's got some dissonances in that song for sure. Yeah, yeah it's it very begins st- with an arpeggio that's kind of dissonant. It is, yeah. But um, when it goes, dun, 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 there's one part yeah, in the yeah. instrumental where it just sounds, and then she's that's when she starts th- talking about not you know connecting and you know all that all that stuff we talked about before. Um, I'm just wondering if that in in a way is the musical. Equivalent. It reminds me very much of the way Randy Newman would do that. Like he would sing about like a, a like a, a man going mad, and then the strings would come in, sort of just off key, and you'd feel like holy mackerel, you know. You could feel the music would make you feel that, which is why Randy Newman is so brilliant at, at doing scores for films because he writes in that fashion. Like you don't, he doesn't need words to express emotions, and and in that song, it seemed like she went there. I could be wrong. Maybe that's. A oh, I mean, I, I mean, I hear that part, I, but I think she's. It was that was a big staple also in in uh, in grunge music in the nineties the sort of like going out of the key into a darker moment you yeah know? yeah it's the kind of thing you could hear like you know system of a down or even Metallica doing that sort of stuff yeah you know, I, that's true but I, I it it really works at that moment you it know? does it does brilliant song she's fantastic can't wait to see pedal yeah absolutely yeah I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, so the next band we want to play a song by I, I first saw them at the uh, the day after the road show ended. They'd been hanging out for a couple of days. They came down. They had a gig in uh, Toronto, which made me think they were uh, Canadian because they said they'd just come down from Toronto. <laughs> but they aren't. They're not Canadian. They're they're from Ohio, and they've been playing for about fifteen years uh, out of there. Uh, they made a lot of records, and they set up. They're one of the last bands. I think Yellow House Orchestra played after them, maybe, but they're one of the last bands to do a garden session here. On the day after the festival ended, we still did stuff all day that Sunday, and they came out and just played this brilliant stripped-down acoustic uh, set here. That, and you can find it on um, on the Underwater Sunshine YouTube page. There's a those show those sets are there. And they really knocked me out. They're they're called um, Red Wanting Blue, and they're actually from Ohio. And they just knocked me out with the passion and the power of how they were playing here in the living room. And uh, I want to. That's why I decided I really wanted to play a song from that garden session rather rather than taking something from the records because I mean they made quite a few records, but. Uh, this this song High and Dry just blew me away at at my house that night and I, I wanted to play that version because it's the first thing I ever heard them do and it really knocked me out at the time and uh, all of us who were sitting here right then sat up and said oh we want to have them at the next uh, Underwater Sunshine oh, cool. Festival because yeah. they just it just uh, uh, I, I think Barbara it was it was done at the end of the song it was like <laughs> they're playing period <laughs> they'll come back they're playing that sounds um, like Barbara and so I want to play this for you this is uh, this is Red Wanting Blue uh, High and Dry uh, it's a really cool performance. We're Red, One, and Blue, and this is a song called High and Dry. I dream my heart's a hot air balloon With the seams always coming loose so when the cold of life begins to hit my skin, I wake up shaking. Yeah. 
That is fabulous and an excellent version of that. Um, so I listened to some of their stuff, but live, they, they, there's, like, there's a rawness to them. There's a, there's a quality there in his voice. We were talking about it as it was playing and uh, used the, the term airness. There's a, there's, there, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a raw, and it's also a welcoming place here. I mean, I missed that. I'm sorry I missed that because uh, we had been working all weekend and we took off. So I missed, I missed them. I missed uh, Willie Nile. Which I'm sorry. That was the day earlier that Stu played, right? He played a Sunday. Yes, yeah. So after we interviewed Stu, we took off. Uh, But that is a great – and it's so great because the energy in the room, you could hear it. There's such love and support here, and it comes through in the performances. I I felt that when Stephen Kellogg played, when Sean played, uh, and you could hear it in that recording. The band just comes alive, so – Clearly, they're a great live band, and, and that's an excellent version of that song. Yeah, they really are. And you can see why we were all kind of knocked out at the time. Because, yes. Uh, also, it's nice to hear his voice in, a, in, a, in an acoustic, the sort of like lo-fi-ness of that. There's a lot of air around his voice, and you can really 
hear the textures of his voice. And I, I really loved him singing there. And he's also playing. Um, I don't know if you can tell us. It's it, it's it's a uh, it's like a a baritone ukulele. Yeah, it's like, like a, there was a mandolin in there or something. No, well, no, the dun, 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 yeah. that's electric guitar, just quiet. But the 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 thing that starts it out, the drum drum drum, it's a it's oh. a it's a ukulele of some sort, like but a, like a low ukulele. I don't know if it's a, called a baritone. I don't know what it is exactly, right. but it was like a low ukulele. It's definitely a ukulele, uh, but I, it, it didn't sound like a regular ukulele. It was bigger mm. and it had a lower tone to it, like a baritone ukulele or something. It was. It sounded really cool. It was that an interesting sound sounding cool. instrument. You know what's funny too is that I, I just want to qualify. So they came just to hang out and they had their stuff because they just come from a tour and they just grabbed their stuff and played. They weren't no, expecting I mean, to play, or I think they were going to. I think they came down to do a garden session to like hang out at the uh, at the show at the, yeah. at the yeah. uh, festival mm-hmm. and to play. You know, like you know, we, we we they had eighteen bands at the festival. We had thirty eight sessions here because yes. a lot of people, other people, come and record. We ha- we try and get a lot of people to record, but uh, they were just really cool. They were nice guys, and I dug hanging out with them, and uh, they just played their asses off too. You know. Uh, it was really kind of great, that, you know. I just I think I just thought they were from Canada because they had just come from playing. I'm sure they said <laughs> we just came from we're from Canada. I think I must have said where are you guys from, and they maybe thought I said where'd you come from, or oh, or see. vice versa, and they said Toronto or something like that. Yes, yeah. And I thought they were Canadian. Well, at least Ohio's close. It's not like they're from Texas. Yeah. No, it's uh, they're close. They're oh, Canada is my my point. I guess the the main point is I <laughs> I got it completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think we talked about it after that, or I posted something about them, and someone's like, "They're not from Canada." They're oh, from that's Ohio. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. There was something about that. Um, they were cool, though. They were really cool. I dug them a lot. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play at the festival. Uh, I also one of the, another band I'm really looking forward to seeing is a band that uh, Z saw play. I, I, last year, I think sometime, and she got blown away by them at a. Uh, at a, at a gig, like, uh, and because they're they're really a cool band. They have uh, this is a band called Jewels and the Jinx. They're a New York band. Uh, this is like you know they have horns and uh, saxophone, piano, and they're like they won uh, the Afropunk Battle of the Bands here, and then they end up playing the main stage of Afropunk the, the festival Brooklyn. Uh, I guess last year, um, and they have this whole like. I mean, the quote that's on their website is, if, if soul pop and R&B had a threesome, their baby would sound like Jules and the Jinx. That's so And it's true. true. They have this sort of funk and soul thing, but they also have this, like, early 60s uh, girl group vibe. Yeah, like, like a Shirelles, Phil Spector. Yeah, you know, yeah. The Crystals. They have that to them, too. Uh, Julissa Lopez's vocals are just killer. Um, they are. Her phrasing and the way she does it, it just it jumps out. And it, and even with the way the record is mixed or the way it's arranged, gives it that kind of early '60s, mid '60s soul vibe that is original in the sense where they're bringing it back, but they're making it their own. And I think that quote about meshing all those styles and and coming out with this is apt because that's what it sounds like. When I first heard it, I was like, "Wow, this takes this this is so." What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's something that uh, resounds in my 
in my little library that you build up, you know, the musical stuff. We yeah. talk about this all the time. But this band specifically, it's like they hit a nerve in me, and I was like, wow. But it's not all the songs do sound like that. This no, one, though. This one does, though. Absolutely. I, I, which is one of the things I loved about it. I know you did, too. I, I was do. Like, what I songs do. should we play by these guys? And you were like... You, you just jumped out with this song. I love this song. Yeah, because I was dying to talk about how they really nailed this and, and to share it with people because they absolutely do. And they don't have a lot of recorded content. They have one EP they've recorded. Uh, they really, you know, they made such an impression as a live band upon Z that she just really wanted us to have them play. And, you know, we were all pretty excited about it as soon as we heard it. But her talking about them on stage really knocked us out. Like, she was so effusive in her, like... Uh, very excited praise of how the show had been you know how funky and cool and just just like live it was and uh she just said it was completely fucking lit and uh cool i'm just gonna play this is the this is a from their ep uh, this is jules and the jinx jules and the jinx which i think is a great name too. it is not j-i-n-x but no. j-i-n-k-s the jinx <laughs> plural and this is make you cry i really love this song If you wanna be my girl, you should know. I'm gonna wanna hold your hand. Is that so hard to understand? I'm gonna wanna write your song. Tell me, baby, is that so wrong?
Yeah, come on. It takes you right back. I love it, you know? Boom, bra da ba ba doom ba da 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 It's so good, though. So good and so well-performed. Uh, uh, she does have a little bit of a- a- Amy Winehouse kind of style, too, later on. Like, very jazzy. It's, it gets into a jazzy thing on the rest of their stuff. But on that one, it's pure rock and roll, classic rock and roll, and uh, very well done. Yeah, I bet these guys are... I. I'm sure Z was right on the money because this sounds like a like a review you'd love to see live. You know, sax player very subtly kind of bringing us out there at the end. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a pretty damn cool song. I love it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's really something. I, I I cannot wait to see them live. I wanted them to open the whole festival. They're going to open the second night because they can't play the first night. But I was really excited about them opening the whole festival. Honestly, I just. Uh, I really wanted to see that happen. Mm, yeah, um, well, they, just because they're so much fun. I can't. They'll be a great uh, oh, yeah. start off the second night. Yep, yep. Um, so the next guy we want to play uh, is Cameron McGill, who's a friend of Katie, Katie Mullins, who uh, writes a lot of the pieces for Underwater Sunshine and used to write a great blog called Katie Darby Recommends. And Katie is a professor uh, at, at Evansville, I think, of writing, literature, and... Uh, She's also a fiction writer and a poet. And I guess at some point in talking to Cameron McGill, she said to him, you know, well, she, as she put it, oh, Cam, that's the guy whose life I ruined with poetry. And as she said later, I, I'm, I might never have said it to you, Cam, but I said it about you a lot. Um, <laughs> I guess she had read some stuff he wrote, uh, some of his lyrics, and uh, she pitched them to... Uh, about an article in Measure magazine uh, that she wanted to put together, like a, a which is a, a poetry magazine, and she wanted to do a, a an issue on uh, lyrics and uh, songwriters and what they do have in common, what they don't have in common with other kind with poets, you know. And I guess I think she did it. She might have included me in this. Issue. I know she did one with uh, uh, Alan Submergen, who played at the Outlaw Roadshow. He and I. I don't know if it's sure it's the same issue she did where she also talked about Cameron McGill in one of these. And in recommending to him that he was really more of a poet, uh, he ended up becoming a poetry teacher. And now I think he teaches at, I don't think it's the University of Idaho. I can't remember what. No kidding. Let's see if I can find it in this article. Uh, uh, I just want to make... Go ahead, please. It all started because early in my career, this is uh, her writing in the Underwater Sunshine blog, I was intrigued by the many similarities and also differences I found in my music writing and my poetry. I pitched to my colleagues and the editors at Measure Magazine, a metrical poetry journal, the idea of running some lyrics and poems by musicians, some poems and lyrics by poets, and then finally some essays and interviews to talk about the dichotomy. I had a copy of Cameron McGill and What Armies is a Beast, and I knew he was someone I wanted to talk to about submitting lyrics to the journal. Uh, some of his, his talks about these songs showed a sense of humor, uh, very much drenched in anxiety and dread, and so she ended up writing to him on Twitter and they became friends and anyway I guess it ended up that he now is a uh, he became more of a poet and now he has a terminal degree in poetry from the University of Idaho and teaches at Washington State University where he's recently been a semi-finalist in Beloit Poetry Journal's chapbook contest and he's the poetry editor at Blood Orange Review now as well so she as she put it ruined his life because <laughs> uh, he also has been now he's ruining young lives every year he also on at least several <laughs> records and for a few years was the uh, keyboard player and the piano player for uh, Margot and the Nuclear So-and-So's, Richard Edwards' band. Oh, I'm okay. Um, 
and uh, but now he's also a professor. Uh, and he's coming east to play. And I, I just, you know, his last couple records, he made one about four or five years ago called uh, Gallows Etiquette. And he did a, a couple, like a, a sort of a, a release, a single release recently of a couple songs that blew my mind as well. But I, I want to play this one song because Katie talked about it a lot uh, in her article, this song called American Health Insurance, um, where he kind of uses... <laughs> Uh, the American insurance industry as a sort of metaphor for life in our society in general, mm. um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's very Warren Zevon, I would say. Even, even, even. Uh, what was the name of that record? Uh, what was it, Gallows Etiquette? Because I'm immediately thinking of Gallows Humor. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That that's a classic writer. That's why I get it. Yeah, and it's funny too because I was going to mention earlier that that Katie is. It, I think this past semester, I and Katie, please correct me if I'm wrong, but she said that she took a couple of essays from my Zevon book and was deconstructing it with the kids. Which oh, cool. I, th- I would love to hear the feedback of that. You know, oh. I think Desperados Under the Eaves and Studebaker. Which is cool. And, and then when she first told me about this guy, I haven't heard. I, yeah. Mea culpa, I'm going to be hearing it for the first time now. Because we've had so much music coming and going, I didn't get to him. But um, the titles alone remind me so much of Warren. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or I mean, at least someone who's very literate. She puts it, there's a surrealist and absurdist philosophy in McGill's lyrics, especially when contrasted with the beautiful, lush music he's written. It's almost like hiding a pill by dissolving it in something sweet or... Okay, if I put punctuating horns on the end of every line of the second chorus, can I get away with the health insurance industrial complex as a conceit for American society at large? Good. Which is how yeah. how Katie uh, says she puts it. Yes. Um, uh, and the lyrics, some of the lyrics, the, the way this song begins, uh, I got health insurance that only works if I die. Oh, but what if I live? America is when there's no words left to say, you don't like it, kid. Give me that wrecking ball of faith. Give me the heart it knocks down. One day all those asses you're kissing, they're going to bite you on the mouth. Who are you going to shove? How are you ever going to stay in a world that you don't love? I want to play this song for you because it's, there's a richness to his writing and, and to his arrangements. And I don't know where the band comes from, if it's some of the guys from Margot or not, but it's, uh, it's really good. Uh, and uh, this is from Gallo's Etiquette. This is American Health Insurance. Cameron McGill. I got health insurance that only works if I die Oh, but what if I live? America's when there's no words left To say it all like a kid Give me that wrecking ball of faith From the heart that it knocks down One day all those asses are kissing About you on the mouth Oh, then who you gonna show? Are you ever gonna stay in a world that you don't love? The mission of the Savior with is to never ever die. But I laugh so hard on my fortunes, mama I cry. Out a terrible feeling, I just go out hunting in my mouth. This American restlessness, I Kiss the 
Okay, a couple of things. Um, that is very Randy Newman. And, um, and let me tell you why. Not only because tongue is jammed firmly in cheek, there is wonderful way of presenting satire, but the piano playing there, yeah. and specifically his almost Louisiana, because, you know, Randy grew up in L.A., but he's originally from Louisiana, that kind of drawl thing that Randy drags that helps Kind of, as she puts it, you know, get the pill down. Um, there's something humorous. There's something uh, sweet, uh, sinister in the sweetness to that kind of phrasing. I love it. I just love it. It's really good. That's a really good record. It's a wonderful recording of a song that means something to someone getting the point across. And I do also want to say, I think it's fantastic. It's called American Health Insurance. Is that what it's called? That yeah, song? Because yeah. <laughs> normally people, it's like, I want to write a song about, uh, or, or in the case of Michael Moore, make a film about American Health Insurance called Sick, you know, <laughs> or something, and then couch your, whatever you're trying to say. But he names the song American Health Insurance, which is so fantastic. It's a metaphor for something else, but I love how it just throws it. Because when people hear that, they realize the controversy of it. They realize it's a broken system. Whether you believe it should be one way or the other. No one believes it's working. <laughs> yeah, it's, which I uh, think is so brilliant. You know? I love that hot concept. Though. I got health insurance that only works if I die. <laughs> oh, so but what true. if I live? You know, and and, and who are you going to shove? How are you going to ever stay in a world that you don't love? Which is the point of the song, and it, it, it keeps coming back to that in a world that you don't love. What right. Do, you do about living in a world you don't love. You know, um, when you only really get the payoff if you die. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I I, 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 just, I love the tone of his music. Yes, tone. Absolutely. I wish I had lyrics. I'm trying to get... I just uh, texted... Uh, I looked him up. Cameron and... Where'd find you him. find him? I, I couldn't find him. Yeah, no, I, I looked look. him up. I, I, I just <laughs> texted uh, Cameron and Katie to send me the lyrics right away since I'm like, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. We're, We're doing it right now. Because <laughs> I've known for days that I couldn't find these anywhere. I was looking all over. The lyrics that I do have, I have from Katie's article. 
So I figured she had it at one point. Well, you know, um, again, uh, really, and 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 when I when I say I hear other artists and stuff, it's hard for me to to. Uh, strip the history of listening to music but I say it with all due respect I don't believe it's any way derivative but it's the great aspects of those artists that really rang my bell when I was younger that introduced me to a different way of writing songs they don't always have to be pretty they don't always have to be love and cars uh, they, they, they could be about anything and they could be done in a way that kind of plays with your preconceptions. We've talked about that on this podcast, the the um, unreliable narrator, sort of this character that you embody and then get your song across on that and how so many songs over the years, specifically we've talked about Randy Newman's um, short people, have been misconceived you know, because of that. Um, but I, I – yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think you got a text. Is it the lyrics? The lyrics coming in? <laughs> this is live, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, I think she says he's he's actually in class right now. <laughs> Break into the uh. class. <laughs> All right, well, let's listen to another song then. I'm really psyched. Um, this is fun. Let me see if I have. What is this? Because I had heard pedal. I heard the um, the the jinx. I heard. Oh yeah, I I I was prepared, but not for McGill. This is a this is an interesting experience for me. Yeah, he's really cool too. He's very cool. This is a song called uh, Canyonlands. He he did a single, uh, two songs, uh, just a few years ago, and I think it's the last thing he recorded. But uh, this one really knocked me out because it really reminded me of my time living in L.A., uh, especially when I first moved there and I lived in Laurel Canyon. I don't know if that's what this song's about, but it's just such a good song. I'm going to play it, and then we'll talk about it afterwards, because musically is what really knocks me out about this song, because I don't know the lyrics. Um, But uh, this is Canyonlands by Cameron McGill. It's from the single. Uh, Side A, Canyonlands. Oh, 
Miss my old life when I was sane. Simple and embarrassing still out of my name. Give her my last and wish she don't want the heat. Cowards in the heart of some wild beat. Oh, she's an honest girl. She's an honest girl. Doesn't mean that I love her. song it has a um a, but very different than the other one very di- different i don't hear any resonance of what randy newman had done um and not that it would but that one reminded me a lot of this the songs that might have been written in laurel canyon in the 19 early 1970s yeah it really reminds me of that like I, i'm really knocked out that's my favorite song of his almost in a way uh that one kills me I love where he he starts off by saying, "I'm an honest shirt." He's an honest shirt. He's, and then later on, she she's like, "She's an honest skirt." I, I love that piano and horn figure that plays throughout it. Yes, yes, yeah. It becomes really it's prevalent a long on the outro. Way out, I'm down uh, yeah, in the, that kills me. Uh, you, you have something you want to close with? Yeah, I want to play this other the other side of that single. It's called Godspeed You Daredevil, but it's all one word. Godspeed You Daredevil. <laughs> uh, I want to play this for you. I can't I'm so excited to see Cameron McGill play cuz I yeah. but even more excited to get these lyrics from him. I I'm, I'm going to make him send them all to me cuz it's driving me crazy now that I can't see what they are. I want to talk about these lyrics so badly. This is Godspeed You Daredevil. Cameron McGill. The B-side of Canyonlands.
lights are the mountains And all red teeth that turn white And the door with every meal Sharpened with every line Oh, honest men, they work the earth Sometimes it worked back We made implements of defects It was device that drove us back Okay, so yeah, it's that's it's very much reminiscent of Warren Zevon, not because it's it's got the great what you what you pointed out in the couple of podcasts we talked about Warren when my book came out, which was kind of like that Civil War style piano, dun, 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 you know, like that kind of thing, but also the way the horns are used there, and it's sort of he's telling a tale, you know, the way Warren did, or I, again those early '70s songwriters that kind of told stories. Uh, in the in their verses in the stanzas, um, I love it. I love the rhythm of it. The it's really cool sound. Uh, yeah, this guy's a one of those classic singer songwriters. Well, and one of the differences about Warren, of course, is that it, he it's the rare band that's led by a piano player as opposed to a guitar player. So often the the melody lines and the riffs you don't, which you're used to hearing on guitar are on piano, which gives it a different. Uh, Tone and a different—it's a different feel. The rhythm, you know, the, a little more upright, which gives you that, like, uh, yeah, that sort of civil war, revolution, you know, feel because it's a little more upright of an instrument. 
right. standing up when you play it that way as a melody line, or at least he did. And so does uh, Cameron McGill right there. Sure. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of his melody lines from a different instrument than you usually hear. Yeah, and I was going to ask, is, is piano his first instrument, his prime instrument, or is it guitar uh, as well? Because it does sound know. like I mean, it I mean, he is. was the piano player for Margo and the Nuclear Right, Stones, yeah, you I mentioned that. that before, right? Um, yeah, because that sounds like that song is is all piano. It's you know, you can picture him playing that just on the piano, and it'd be just as dynamic. Uh, the band adds a lot to it, no question. But just just the way he's playing that on piano totally drives the thing. So yeah, yeah, and I love the way, like the way he uses the horns throughout on these things. He's got a really good sense of how to use horns, whether it's horn sections on American Health Insurance, or just that that trumpet sort of brass line playing through uh, Godspeed You Daredevil. Yes, yes. Um, he's got a really good sense of how to do that. Um, I think I didn't keep time for the first bit of this thing, but I think we're around where we want to stop. Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, maybe we'll come back next week and play some more uh, Underwater Sunshine artists yes. for you. Uh, I'm excited about some of them because uh, some of these people we haven't announced yet, I believe. I'm not sure. I don't think we've announced a couple of the people we're going to play next week But by the time it because right now we're looking yeah. at We're two weeks away when this comes out. Two. Two weeks away, people. Two yes. and a half or three. It would be when this comes out. I think it'll. Uh, then we have two more weeks. We have yeah, the week two more after, weeks after this. After yeah, this, good, right? Yeah. And then yeah, and then we're the 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 amount of talent that descends on this place and the Bowery Electric. It will be incredible, and we hope that you're here for that because you don't want to miss it. Trust me, when you see people, people have been tweeting about it and their experiences the first time around. Uh, just a great vibe. So. Yeah, we, we're going to hope to see you all at the festival. Yeah, you got to come hang out. I mean, what else were you going to be doing? Exactly. Early Seriously, April? What are you, are you busy with something else? New get York City? Of, get, get, your, get off your ass and come down and hang out. Come on. New York City in April is beautiful. Yes. And this is the Underwater Sunshine Fest, so have time in your lives. Indeed. But before that, this is the Underwater Sunshine Podcast, and I am James. I'm Adam. And we're going to out of here. Yes. Peace. Late. <laughs>